All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode number 37 of the Kill Your Internet podcast. With you, as always, is your boy Colin. We got Ken with us today as well. How's it going, everyone? It's good. Uh, presented by High Brew Coffee. You can grab triple shots at Wawa now. So Philadelphia, you have your marching orders. Head over to Wawa, grab triple shots from High Brew. You can also order them online. Uh, get 10% off of 12 packs by using promo code FOXTROT on the website. Uh, shouts out to High Brew Coffee for the sponsorship. Uh, Kenny, busy week, man. We got interviews all over the place. We've been doing pre-production for the next song. We've been getting ready. I've been putting together the documentary for the next single, which is hilarious. All that footage from the studio yeah, is awesome nuts. Yeah, that footage on Instagram. Oh, my God. We, we tell the story on, on our story right now of uh, us, um, not us, Jimmy, almost flooding one of the kids from One Direction. I'm going to leave that up for another day because I, I, I like literally was going to post the whole thing, and I was like, I can't post this because somebody might see it and send it to one of the One Direction people, and then, then it's just a brawl, and I don't want to get into that. Well, One Direction is broken up, so... Oh, okay. I could take them individually. Yeah. It would <laughs> Except for Harry direction. Styles. We've said this already. Well, Harry Styles is off. Yeah, he, stays, he Harry, stays away. You're good. Yeah, yeah Harry, you got you, you got the pass, bro. Uh, dude, so I've been having this thought today kind of about, you know, the interviews we've been, we've been doing and talking about this a lot, but I'm so thankful the podcast is in our lives now. It's a, it's a thing where I've been talking a lot about kind of like, you know, going the independent route and not having a, a record deal with a major label or anything like that. I feel like this is just like the future. I feel like we're really thinking outside the box and it's going to like connect us to things that are really going to take us to another level. It just kind of feels right. I don't know. Well, I think we've always been heading like I, we've always been capable of this and it's a thing where I think we have the personality to do it. I don't think not every band does. I, I feel like this is just us. It's who we are. Yeah, it's authentically us and like I know you're not a TikTok guy. Yeah. Not, you have to make more content I think besides the music these days. Well, yeah, it, it's it's all it's all about finding us. how you can present yourself in the best way possible. But not only that, we we've talked to people that I wouldn't have expected to talk to. I mean, on the podcast today, of course, we have our sports update from uh, White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports, good buddy of ours. By the way, shout out to Barstool for opening an office in a city that deserves it, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hey. Oh, man, the content we will make with them. Uh, also, we have Happy Fits, uh, amazing band from New Jersey who have an album dropping tomorrow. Uh, you have to check that out. Amazing band. Uh, so stick around for those. But but no, I, I just feel like we are outside-the-box people. And honestly, we've always kind of gone against the grain. And I never wanted to do the things that like I feel like major label artists have to do. And they're so boxed in and they have to act a certain way. And we're idiots. I don't know how to say it. Like we're idiots and we're going to be ourselves. And I feel like from time to time we've had, to, we've been told kind of like, you know, you can't do certain shit. I'm no, going to we'll do, do it. Certain shit. Yeah. I'm going to do certain shit. So that's just who we are. Either way, man, 37 episodes in a million more to come. Uh, we have amazing interviews already lined up for next week. Kenny, we're going to go right into the wildest shit that we've seen on the internet. Uh, let's do Ken's Twitter update. Ken just rejoined Twitter. So Ken, give me something you've seen today. So I think I saw this recently, not today, but did you see this? I think it was in the New York Post. Some wired editor, I believe she is. I forget her name. She wrote a whole thing on texting etiquette and how millennials and Gen Gen Z, is it right? Yeah, Gen Z. Are triggered by periods. And we shouldn't <laughs> end sentences with periods because they're triggering and can be offensive. It's like that thing from PMT where they're like, Are you are you in the right headspace to accept bad news right now? No. Look, a period is a punctuation mark. It's gonna be at the end of sentences. That's all I we can't change that. That's just how it is. And if I meet you and you tell me that period is offensive, then <laughs> <laughs> I think rough. we had our breaking point of punctuation is something that we can no longer do because it, it, it's too triggering and to some also people. also get rid of voicemails, which I, I understand voicemails aren't really used that much anymore. Also, you don't ever get a good voicemail. There's never a situation where you look at your phone and you see a voicemail and it's something good happening. It's usually like a bill collector or somebody trying to sell you insurance. Plus, like, first off, they have the text reading now. So yeah, I always do that. I gotten so many opportunities to cancel my student loans apparently <laughs> if i had a dollar for every time somebody called me to ask me about the warranty on my car you know what's also tricky you know what telemarketers are doing now i don't know how they do this but they have like a phone number that will call you that's like one digit off from your phone number like all the time i was literally about to say my phone number on the podcast but like it'll be like a digit off and i'll be like Eh, wait a second, that doesn't look right. So, no. Hello, is this me? <laughs> Colin, it's you from the future. Um, yeah, dude, I don't know. Uh, why is that what the New York Post is talking about? I, there's there's I, so many real world things to be talking about right it's now. The New York Post, it's know. the New York Post, who knows? Uh, so let's go into my first wildest shit that we've seen on the internet. Bella Thorne joins OnlyFans. So 
if you're not aware of what OnlyFans is, it's basically it was designed as a website that basically put a paywall up between you and people who want to see your content. And then porn stars started using it and using it as kind of like a like a pay for play situation there. Uh, but Bella Thorne, who was like a Disney Channel actress, and then she wound up being an actress, and then she made an OnlyFans. And I I have no more information than that, but I, I do. She, she made a million dollars in one. day. She made a million dollars in one day. You know what? Good for you, girl. Do look if people are gonna pay you a million dollars to do something in one day. It's got to be the. I mean, I know the lottery, and obviously, is the quickest way to win it. Yeah, but to do like I guess an honest day's work. And look, man, I no shame, no shame in her game, dude. Do what you gotta do. If people are willing to pay you to do something, it's a job. I don't know what else to tell you. It's look, I, you're never gonna see my feet on there or anything like that. It's not my bag. But if it's your bag, go for it. I'm not here to judge. Um, other than that, Ken, I saw one that I thought you would really like, Kevin Durant. Back okay. at it again. Have you heard about this? No. Is it with his burner <laughs> account or something? <laughs> he did a he did a, an interview where he was talking about. Uh, he was like, I loved having burner accounts. He's like, I still have burner accounts. They took something away from me that I loved. <laughs> I love to have burner accounts. Why is that? Like, he's like, you know what, man? If there's one thing I could do in this world, it's just have. Well, you know what? That actually makes sense. Just for him to have anonymity online mm-hmm. and just talk some nonsense. Why not? But I mean, in the context that he was doing, it seemed kind of weird, but. I respect it because it's not like he's trying to deny the burner accounts. He's yeah. fully embracing it. He's not Jerry Colangelo. <laughs> yeah. Get a new slant or whatever. The collars are fun. Get a new slant. <laughs> it was funny. Just because you brought that up. I didn't realize his collars until I saw that. Oh, my God. They like, were gaudy. Oh they God, were outrageous. <laughs> Tony Hawk can drop in on that. It looked like uh, Burt Reynolds' cowboy hat on Saturday Night Live is Turd <laughs> Ferguson. He had the big cowboy hat, and Jerry Colangelo had the giant collars, dude. But, no, I saw the Kevin Durant thing, and I instantaneously just started dying laughing. I have to get Kevin Durant credit. To be able to admit that you have burner accounts and you love them that much – Go ahead, buddy. Burner account all the way to, to the cows come home. I don't care. But just like to get caught and then be like, man, they took those away from me. <laughs> but you know what? I made more, so just watch out. I don't know, man. Shout out to Kevin Durant. Um, Kenny, let's go into our uh, what the fuck we've been listening to. I'll let you start it off this time. So I'll start off with some Umphy McGee's. Ooh, um, getting a little jam, baby. Mantis, the song Mantis. I, they're just awesome. They're yeah. kind of like a... I guess prog rock fish. Yeah, they're they're like a prog rock um, jam band. I've seen like live videos of them from Hangout Fest. They're awesome. Dope live musicians. Yeah. Dope man. Yeah, they're they're a band that has like those like kind of like fervent followers. They they're a bunch of wooks, but like they follow Rabbit them around. Fan base. Yeah. Rabbit fan base. Rabbit drug loving fan base. Shouts out to Humphreys McGee. Did you also know that they did the theme song for Around the Horn for a little bit? No. That one that had like the dual guitar intro. Yeah, that was them. Because did you ever see um, Trombone Shorty doing the? Uh, he did the intro to Scott Van Pelt's uh, Sports Center. Oh, really? Yeah, the song Hurricane Season, which I love. I've seen I've seen Trombone Shorty live open for Zach Brown. It was awesome, mm-hmm. but. Uh, yeah, shout out to Humphreys McGee. My first one is in a totally different direction. I picked Polo G, rapper out of Chicago. I it, He's one of those dudes that, like, he's one of the new crop of, of rappers. And I had a conversation with Alexander Charles earlier this week on the podcast about kind of, like, everybody sounding the same and doing the same thing over and over again. So I was, like, apprehensive going into it. Uh, also, his album is called The Goat, and it's a, a picture of him with goat horns on it, like, like with actual nice. horns. Literal. <laughs> Very literal. And I was like, eh, I don't know about this. And then I listened to it, and like the first 10 seconds, I was like, whatever. And then he started rapping, and I was like, damn it, I love this. So <laughs> shout out to Polo G. I picked a song 21. He's also got a couple good songs with Juice World. So Polo G, also an XXL freshman of the year. So uh, Kenny, what's your second? My second, I'm going to stick with the Killers album because... Why not? It's a masterpiece. It's that good. I actually, the title track at the end, Imploding the Murder. It's probably my favorite. I know I picked Dying Reed last time, but that song's like so catchy and that Springsteen kind of chorus. They just made something special this time, dude. I I, I, literally, I told Ken when I came in here, it's all I've been listening to. Like, I I ran, not to brag, but I ran like five miles today and all I did, I just listened to the Killers album all the way through. I also got past the Killers album because. Well, it was five miles, and I wasn't running that fast. So, uh, it's always nice when you find an album that, like, you know, after one listen, it's like this is going to be. This is a good running album, yeah. And I mean, that's just like, it's very like the drums are good driving drums to run to. Driving killer songs, yeah. I I listen to a lot of Tom Petty when I run too. It's it's I like to listen to like random kind of like chill shit when I when I work out because I'm already so excited and I have to like zone in. So. I like podcasts when I run. It like the Kill Your Internet podcast, uh, presented by Foxtrot and the Get Down and Hybrid Coffee. Uh, my second one is a classic, and this is a great story for me and Ken's past. I picked Jesus of Suburbia by Green Day. 
Oh, yes, the nine-minute masterpiece. Nine-minute nine, nine minute masterpiece. So let me tell this story. So when me and Ken were in college, we were a three-piece band, uh, and we were playing cover shows on the weekend at bars to pay for our first EP. And uh, shouts out to the Lamplighter in Delco. Jack Quinn's Lamplighter. And uh, one night we decided it'd be cool as a three-piece to play a nine-minute song with five different songs within it, Jesus of Suburbia. Uh, we messed it up, and then uh, I apologized, and then we followed up with... Uh, Only Want to Be With You by Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, About two minutes into that song, somebody moved in front of me, and I saw a Bud Light bottle hurling at my face, (laughs) and I got smoked in the Bud Light by some drunk dude at the bar because we messed up Jesus of Suburbia. So that'll always be burnt in my memory. It's probably my favorite and least favorite show memory of all time. Yeah, and you know it had to be because of Jesus of Suburbia because no one's throwing... (laughs) bottle at you because you're playing Hootie because everyone loves Hootie. I used to love doing that the Hootie the Bluefish song because I tried to do Darius Rucker's accent. I was like, you and me we come from different worlds. So I was kind of Creed, actually. <laughs> uh, Ken, what's your third? Last one, we're going to go local guy we both know. Um, going to go Ken's Our Gay Corner. Um, makes sense because White Sox Dave is on the podcast. Oh, so yeah. White Sox Dave's a big reggae another, guy. We'll do the official reggae club of guys who like reggae music that don't smoke weed. Yeah, Ken's Reggae <laughs> Club of non-stoners. Um, Mike Pinto. <laughs> Oh, shout out Mike Pinto, Morris, Morrisville's own um, man's out there dominating on the West Coast. So, Tricky Nicky off Little District. I was listening to Little District today. That's such a good album. Dude, that was like when me and Ken first met each other. Like, I was nothing but, like, not, we were both nothing but, like, reggae. We were freshmen in college. So, like, of course, we're trying to do that. And then, but Mike Pinto, Tricky Nicky, Bad Luck. Bad Luck's such a good song. Yeah. Shout out Mike Pinto, dude. Great pick. Yeah, he's solid. Now, are you doing the electric or the acoustic version? Um, Electric. Ah, there yeah. you go. There you go. Uh, my last one, also a local pick. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Mo Lauda and the Humble. Guys that like have come up at the same time as us. We ran and like it's weird because we're almost in the same type of music, but they they are touring animals. They have amazing stats on Spotify. Great music, good people, man. And I picked the song New Tide off their record Creatures. Just a great band. Uh, hopefully having I can't say for for sure right now, but mm-hmm. uh Jordan, their lead singer, just put out a, a, a solo. He's putting out a solo record currently right now, and I've had some discussion about possibly getting him on the podcast. So, uh, shout out to Mo Lauda. Ken, we got two really good interviews coming up. Um, other than that, I just I just want to once again give a shout out to High Brew Coffee. Uh, once again, use promo code Foxtrot on their website for ten percent off of twelve packs of their triple shot. Grab it at Wawa. It's right there. Philadelphia, you know you go to Wawa. Jersey, you know you go to Wawa. Everybody up the East Coast, you know you go to Wawa. Grab the hybrid triple shot. Uh, Kenny, busy week coming up once again. Um, we're going to be back in the studio next week. Eric's back. Uh, and we'll have Roast Malone bo- back next week as yes, well. So The return of Roast. The return of Roast Malone. It's going to be magical. Uh, we're going to start off with our sports update from White Sox Dave and head over to the Happy Fits. Kenny, any last words? Nah, man. I think you got it all covered. Boom. Fuck you guys. We love you. Peace. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for what seems to be a monthly occurrence now, we have our sports update with White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports. Dave, how are we doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, coming off about 24 hours ago, White Sox pitcher Lucas Giolito uh, threw no-hitter. And um, I've been getting congratulations all day on Twitter and with my coworkers as if I had anything at all to do with it and didn't just watch it. From my ass on my couch. Yeah, but you know what, though? Like, when you're the guy, when you're the White Sox guy, they're going to give you the love because you've been a loyal supporter when you guys were atrocious. And now you're sitting pretty right now. So what are you guys right now? You're like 19 and 12. You're like right in, right, right around the Twins, right? Yeah, they're, uh, they're a half game back. Uh, I don't know if the Twins play tonight. I just got home from the office and I didn't, didn't check yet. But um, half game back, the Twins, uh, they've won 9 of 10. They're firing on all cylinders. Bullpen's been absolutely unhittable. Starting pitching at the first week or so, it was bad, and now it's back to being what we thought it would be as fans. And then the offense is just unstoppable right now. Like Jose Abreu. Oh, my uh, God. Three games against the Cubs. Uh, he hit another one today. He's, like, on an MVP pace. I was going to say, too, because his rookie year, he was, like, a phenom, and then you thought he might have topped out, and then all of a sudden he's just mashing again. And, I mean, you got to look at your team because a lot of it's homegrown. I mean, your shortstop's an absolute monster. Abreu's a beast. Giolito looks like he's probably going to wind up being your ace. So, I mean, you you got to be feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, I, I, I've been preaching that this was going to be the year for five – well, since they traded Chris Sale. 
So since uh, 2016, I remember the exact date. It was December 6th. <laughs> That's how dark that time was for me. That I remember the date that the trade went down. But uh, um, I was warning everybody, like, 2020, they're gonna be, it's going to be the year. And everyone's like, oh, you're an idiot. Like, look how much they're losing. I'm like, yeah, well, they're kind of losing intentionally right now. Yeah. They wouldn't outright say that they're losing intentionally, but that's what they're doing. And uh, they've been – and here they are. They're 19-12, and 12, and it's not like some fluke weird 19-12 and 12 record. Like, we saw Baltimore start off pretty hot. Uh, Detroit started off pretty hot. That's not going to last. <laughs> those aren't going to last. But this is, like, very s- sustainable because of, one, their youth. Two, they're locked up long-term. Like, every core piece is going to be – Which is so smart. Court. They, how they built this roster is magnificent, and yeah. um, and there's a, a ton of room to add. They got 33 million coming off the books again next year. So if why? Wanna... Why is it that the Cubs can seem to attract these free agents? And is it like the lore of Wrigley or whatever the fuck it is? Because it's the same city, but they seem to poach all the free agents. I don't yeah. understand. It. Like people talk about that as if like, oh, no one wants to play in the South Side of Chicago. Okay, from the Loop, which is like our downtown area, you get yeah. to. Or Sox Park, where they play in 15 minutes. From Wrigley, you get there in 15 minutes. It's not like you're living in these rundown neighborhoods, like miles and miles from all the fun and all the great restaurants and, and attractions that Chicago has to offer. You're living in all the same places the Cubs are living, the Blackhawks are living, the Bulls. It's all the exact same thing. Yeah. Go to a different side of the city for your home park. And, um, but the Cubs have gotten these free agents because they've been willing to spend the money on them. Our, our, our owner is notoriously, uh, is it Reinsdorf? Yeah, it's Jerry Reinsdorf. Oh, Everybody knows him from his bulls. Right. Cause I mean, he was the owner of the bulls when Michael, or he is the owner of the bulls and was, he had Michael Jordan, you know, six championships, uh, global brand. Uh, the White Sox had 2005 when they won the world series and, um, and, and yeah, the, like, but he doesn't spend like at the top of the market, which has been our biggest gripes with him as fans. But now, like now I think he might be more inclined to since they're one like Mookie Betts deal away from having the roster that they need to compete for the next decade. Well, what do you think the piece is? Like, what would you go after in a free agent scenario? Cause is it more pitching? Is it, cause it seems like the offense is firing. Yeah. This this winter I would have gone after Mookie, Mookie Betts because uh, no more Mazzara, Mazzara, excuse me no more Mazzara is there one like hole in the lineup yeah uh, he stinks I mean they he was fine on a flyer deal because they're not paying him anything yeah you got to have the one piece in the lineup that you're not giving a ton of money yeah they're not paying him anything he's only 24 years old and but he's just he's not good and. Uh, I mean, you could call him a bust at this point, but it was whatever. Who knows? He might have ran into 40 home runs in a normal year. Yeah. But uh, they can just cut bait with him. So I, I would have gone after Mookie Betts and paid him whatever he wanted, and that would have been your team for the next, you know, decade. Yeah. But now I'd be more inclined to go after someone like Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Uh, make a trade for a legit bona fide starting pitcher from a team who's rebuilding or maybe looking to rebuild. I don't know. Boston doesn't have anything to offer. Maybe – you know, like Rick Porcello, maybe, but at the same time, like that's a recycled piece. Of it. And the, but the, the Mets are interesting because they're they stink and they got all these pieces that like they could trade the ground and get a King's ransom for him for Syndergaard. For you could get a nice, you know, back end piece for Porcello because he's dependable. But uh, I mean, we, we, we tried the Mets route and Zach Wheeler is not a bad piece, but I, I mean, regardless, like I'm looking at our situation as compared to your situation. And we have so many guys that we missed on Like Reese Hoskins is turning out to be a middle of the road guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, all of our outfield prospects since Dominic Brown. I mean, Roman Quinn is meh. Adam Hazley's meh. And it seems like you guys right now are hitting on a lot. I mean, between Abreu, I mean, the whole team, it seems like a lot of your guys are homegrown. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Uh, the I mean, Mankata, he spent time in the White Sox minor league system, but it wasn't much time. Uh, he was basically big league ready when they traded Sale. Right. Uh, Kopech, he opted out this year, but he saw that. Um, then, I mean, Eloy was the trade with the Cubs. Uh, Anderson's homegrown. They drafted, developed him, and he's turned into just a perfect base of the franchise. Just a stud. He's a stud. I love him. He's, he's great. He's everything you want out of a shortstop. 
he's everything you want out of a shortstop, and he's everything that you want out of like the face of the club. He's oh, yeah. great community. Everybody loves him. No one has a single bad word to say about him. I don't. I don't see him ever playing for another team. I really yeah. don't. I think he'll be like our, you know, version of Derek Jeter. I mean, he's got the attitude too. You know what I mean? Like he's he's a fucking leader. I like that a lot. He's a leader. He he plays with a chip on his shoulder, and he keeps getting better and better and better. I I would have never in a million years said that you know he was gonna lead the league in hitting and then turn around and have an even better year the next year because he's having a better year. See, and I'm looking at shortstops around the league, and there's one guy that we moved on from because we didn't think he could hit, who's shining out in Seattle. J.P. Crawford's having a great year, and we, we can't get anything right, dude, besides Harper and Real Muto, who, by the way, Real Muto's still not signed to next year. I don't know what the fuck is going on with the Phillies. So, I, you know what? I came on here. If last night wouldn't have happened with, with the no-hitter. I was ready to talk about Phillies being a disappointment, the Sixers getting blown out and now restructuring the entire team, the Blackhawks getting knocked out, the Bulls not making the, the bubble, and then uh, your running back, Montgomery, gets hurt today too. He got hurt today. I, I haven't gotten any updates on that, but I apparently he has not torn anything. Which, oh, that's good. So I think it's just like a bad hamstring pull or something, hopefully, which is obviously you don't want your running back's hamstring getting blown out, but – from what I understand, it's not like anything long-term season-ending. Uh, this year is so weird, too, with the NFL because I hate the preseason, but, like, for the players, I feel like at least two games would be necessary to get your feet wet, especially yeah. when you have a lot of new people in the system. They play in two and a half weeks. It's insane. It doesn't even I feel like the NFL is close. Nah. I can't wrap my head around it. Well, I mean, because, two, you'd usually be done with baseball by, like, by, you know, mid-September, late September, and then you'd be able to focus on the Bears. Right now, you're going to have everything on your plate at one time. Yeah, the, I mean, the Cubs are – the Cubs division stinks. Yep. They're absolutely winning – or at least going to the playoffs at the very worst, even though they're not playing well right now. This will be the first time since 2008, only the second time in my lifetime, unless all hell breaks loose, where the Cubs and Sox are both in the playoffs at the exact same time. And that's what we've been waiting for. That's why we started our podcast, which turned into a serious show four years ago, because we knew that the Cubs were here to stay. They were going to be winning, if not World Series, at least multiple divisions in a row. And then in a handful of years, the White Sox were going to be good. So there was going to be a moment in time when both teams were good at the exact same time, which Chicago doesn't see. Well, it's fun. It's fun to it's fun too to watch everybody on red line like you and Carl like going back and forth because you guys are split down the middle. Like right now, what's the vibe in Chicago with everything that's going on? Oh, there's a huge White Sox buzz right now, and and I know we don't have the national you know fanfare or recognition, which is it it, it rubs a lot of Sox fans the wrong way. But in Chicago, it's like a fifty fifty split. You're either a Cubs fan or a Sox fan, and you hate the other team. Yeah. So right now, the the like the White Sox fans are coming out of, they're like cicadas kind of, we're <laughs> sleeping under the grass for, or the, in, the, in the trees or whatever for the last few years. And now we're just buzzing. We're just loud. We're obnoxious. Yeah. And if you follow like any baseball insiders online, like every, like every like week now, it's like, yo, watch out for the White Sox. They're getting hot. They're getting hot. I'm envious because I got nothing going on here. Nobody gives a shit right now because the Phillies have been such a disappointment for years. The, like, I didn't like what the Phillies did because I thought they, like, they were more than just a JT Real, Real Muto away from being, like, legitimate, legitimate contenders. Like, I, their farm's, like, still mediocre. We, I mean, we exhausted so much of it for, for everybody. We exhausted it. I mean, Spencer Howard was the last piece to bring up, and now he's coming up. We sent Vinny Velasquez down. We traded the rest of our staff away. I don't know. I don't know what to think, honestly, because I just don't think they have a plan. I think they're in panic mode right now, and I think Clintac and McPhail are like on the chopping block. So they're like, "What can we do to make something out of this year and sneak in in an 18 playoff?" That's what I'm saying. Like Clintac, I, I think he just like blew his load a little too early. Yeah. And it like, because baseball's like. It's hard to have sustained success in baseball for many different reasons, money being the biggest, I would say, because, like, the Moneyball quote, there's rich teams and there's poor teams, then there's 10 miles of shit, and then there's a lot of other teams. Obviously, the, the Phillies do have money. Yep. But with the luxury tax rules and everything, the, the, uh, like the teams aren't just spending everything you can possibly spend on players anymore. And when you do kind of max out and you still have holes to fill – 
then you're screwing yourself over, which is what I feel like the the Phillies did. Well, yeah, and the, all the talk on Sports Talk in Philly is the fact that Middleton has all this money and talked about spending stupid money, and then all of a sudden we can't even get him to commit to signing the best catcher in baseball. So it's one of these things to where I think they've missed – I don't know if misled, but rep, misrepresent, misrepresented what they wanted to do. So I don't fucking know, dude. I'm just happy for you guys because I really enjoy watching the White Sox team. And, like, looking at that division too, there's three good teams in that division. And you could see – I think it's going to come down to the White Sox and it's going to come down to the Twins because the Twins can fucking mash. So no, their offense is awesome. Yeah. What What do you What do you see as far as the American League moving forward? Because, I, I mean, you have the Yankees, uh, the Rays are playing good ball, and then out west, I don't really know what's going on. And then the Central is 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 tied up. So, I mean, what do you see going forward? I mean, move, like, all right, we'll we'll talk this year and then moving forward. Obviously, the Yankees are they're going to be World Series. They are World Series favorites favorites in. Uh, Vegas right now. Uh, the Rays, I think, are the best organization in baseball. I like but that Rays team. With, with how little money they have to spend is incredible. Obviously, they're going to have to deal with those, you know, few years, like once every five, six years, where they where they win 60 games, but next thing you know, a year or two later, they retooled, and they're, they're every bit as good as the Yankees, who have a $250 million payroll. It makes no sense. Why can why can a small market team like that scout? And for some reason, we're the fourth biggest media market in the country. We can't fucking do it. I don't understand it. They're the smartest organization in baseball. They run like a well-oiled machine. What they do is honestly incredible behind the scenes. They're good, too, because they cut bait. Like, when Longoria was done, they got rid of Longoria. They didn't hold on. They didn't try and, like, recapture some past glory. Not to mention, they have two of my boys on the team. Brian O'Grady and Joey Wendell are playing for the Rays. So, I'm a Rays guy right now. They're, they're, I love watching them play. I love their, their brand and their style of baseball. I wish they had, like – because the Tampa, that's a pretty decent sports market. The Bay yeah. or the Gulf, the Gulf Coast there or whatever they call it down there. And if they had, like, a legit stadium, like a nice Florida outdoor stadium, I think they'd do really well attendance-wise. I agree. I don't know field. I've actually heard it's not as bad as it looks, but it doesn't look – I mean, it doesn't look like a destination. And, I mean, dude, I remember when Wade Boggs played, like, a season or two for them, and it was the same goddamn stadium. Like, you got to upgrade at some point. But, I mean, yeah, I'm – was there before they were even out. It's not like they built it for the race. Yeah. Yeah, just, that's a multi-purpose stadium. Yeah. But, I mean, so, so obviously the AL East it's, – it's weird not to see the Red Sox over there, but I'm okay with that. Fuck the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't be saying that to Barstow. I feel like I'm going to wind up with my head on a platter. Um, but – and then the central, what do you what do you see moving forward? How do you think it's going to shake out? I mean, I the smart money, non biased way to say who would win, who will win the central this year, is still the Twins because they've been there one, two. They're, I mean, they're not going to see growing pains because they're not that young. They have young guys in the raw on the in the lineup, but um, they they're not bad at the same time. They're like they they have they don't have so much young talent where you're not going to see um like struggles like you right. will see with the white Sox. so yeah the central's obviously obviously tough but we need to look even towards the west now and who knows the angels could wind up pulling it out because they have talent and then the a's are always scrappy who knows with the west you know what i mean, I mean the a's are like or the well the a's are awesome they're in this, a similar mold from tampa where they win in spite of being poor and i love teams like that because they out Thank you instead of out, you know, beating you to a pulp on the field. And that's how they operate. And they've seen a ton of success. Uh, the angels are so weird right now. Cause so weird. They, I mean, they got run, they got run down this winter. They have, you know, Otani who they have, they're not paying him anything. They're paying him like 600,000 or whatever it is. And they like, they're, they're just awful. So who knows? Like if I'm them, what do you do? You can't really buy because they have all these bad contracts on the books already. Yep. With Pujols, Trout, well, Trout's obviously not a bad contract. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to pay Otani next year. Which I don't know. Do, do, you, do you pay him, though? Because, I mean, honestly, he gives you DH time, but, like, you can't trust him as an arm right now. He keeps getting but hurt. You can't trust him as an arm at all. Um, they, I mean, they have control of him for the next three years through arbitration, but instead of making 600000 next year, he'll make, you know, $6 million or whatever it is. Yeah. So – I mean, he's getting a hefty pay raise. Um, and then Rendon, that's a huge – that's a $35 million AV deal. So what do they do? 
it's crazy to me to give the third baseman that much money. Like even Machado, who went, who we thought we were going to buy on, he went up going. That San Diego team's fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. What do you uh, think about the whole unwritten rules of baseball thing going on with uh, with Tatis right now? I I can't believe um, what their manager Jace Tingle. Yo, he he sold he sold Tatis up the river. Asshole. Like, who wants to play for that guy? You're, you're going to tell free agents moving forward that, hey, you're going to play for this guy that will make you apologize for hitting home runs? Like, this is my thought. If, like I said, this Giolito had an awesome start uh, prior to the no-hitter, so five or six days ago, like when all that uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. stuff was going down. And uh, he, it was like the seventh or eighth inning. They're up by like 10 runs. He had an 0-2 count, and he struck the hitter out. Yeah. What, what's he supposed to do, not strike you out? That's my point. Like, you can't fault a guy. If you throw a meatball 3-0, I don't care what the score is. I'm swinging. Like, that's baseball. Like, if you're, if you're in that situation, you put yourself in that situation. You don't blame the hitter. No, not at all. And it's, it's not – he did nothing wrong at all. And Trevor Bauer, I know Trevor Bauer's an acquired taste because of how he is on social media. But, um, like, he, he said that the only thing that Fernando Tatis Jr. should be apologizing for is that he even made the apology. Yeah, you you should never have to apologize for doing your job. And no. this isn't little league. This isn't even high school or college baseball, dude. Three zero, you're throwing me a meatball, and I'm the one of the best players in baseball. I'm swinging. I don't care what the score is. Swing out of your shoes and hit the ball to the moon. It's, and and he it's not even like he showed the the pitcher up or anything. He didn't pimp it out. And even then, like I don't think you should be throwing at anybody. No, but, but it's not like he did that. He just put a good swing. And this is the other thing. It's not like you can hit a home run on command. No. So even if, like, wh- what happens if he swings 3-0 and he grounds out? Exactly. Like, then he looks like the asshole for swinging 3-0. But at the same time, you swing 3-0, you put a good swing on the ball, and it goes out of the ballpark. If you're the pitcher, move on. You guys already lost. What's the difference? Exactly. It, it's, the whole thing was ridiculous. Um, I, I mean, I think it's going to change because we're in a new age of baseball. But um, – the, the whole thing, it just it was, it was ridiculous. It was, and Fernando Tatis Jr., who, by the way, should be the shortstop for the White Sox right now. Did you guys have control of him? Dude, they fucking signed him for nothing out of, out of uh, the Dominican. Oh, my God. They traded him for James Shields the day after Shields gave up that bomb to Bartolo Colon. Oh, my God. James Shields is the king of getting those deals, getting shipped around, thinking he's going to make a, a team, a playoff team. And then you guys wind up giving up Fernando Tatis. Unbelievable. The thing was about him, he was 16 and had never played a game in the Sox system yet. And he wasn't supposed to be some big-time star. He is a pedigree guy, though. His dad was a good ball player. His dad was a really good ball player, but that's the only reason anybody knew who he was. Because yeah. they signed him for 700000 which is like a very – minuscule number out yeah. of the Dominican. It's not like he was getting, you know, like Robert, Luis Robert got 26 million. Who, by know? the way, good for you guys because he's a monster. Oh, he's going to be so good. I mean, he's, he's striking out a lot right now, but he'll adjust. Young powerheaders always strike out a lot. But, like, he does it all. He's an incredible outfielder. Uh, his, 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 he's got a really good arm. He steals – he's, like, at or near the – he's either in the league lead for stolen bases or tied last I looked. Dude, and he's a fucking house, too. That doesn't even make sense. He's a, he's a five-tool guy. 6'3", like 215 of freak muscle. Muscle. He's I'll, just tell you, I'll tell you what. At least with the whole Fernando Tatis thing, you guys have a good enough farm system that you have players you can ship out because the Phillies don't even get to – we always, you know, sell high on these dudes who wind up sucking anyway. We can't draft anybody, so it's not a problem. Uh, before we let you go, I just want to bring up one thing. Obviously, football is around the corner. Do you see any college football this year? Yeah. Um, so, apparently today – Notre Dame told the ACC he's, that they'll join officially for this season only. Oh, wow. Um, and that, like, is going to snowball into uh, – so, obviously, that's a huge moneymaker for, yeah. for the ACC and Notre Dame. And then um, that snowballed into the SEC saying, yeah, we're absolutely playing. And then the Pac-12 doing the same. So, the Big Ten acted on faith that the rest of the Power Five conferences were going to – postpone or cancel the season and uh looks like the big Ten's the only team or uh only conference not playing like only power five conference well i'll tell you this much dude i'm a michigan fan and i know for a fact jim harbaugh will do whatever he has to do to wind up playing football somewhere because he's just a football guy to the core that's he's uh he's a weirdo he's such a football guy 
Dude, all right. So I'm going to let you go. Dave, obviously, we'll have a conversation soon. Just by the way, we didn't touch on this in the beginning. Congratulations to the Barstool for joining a city that actually deserves to have a Barstool office here in Philadelphia. You got to come through the office. We need to get some content together. I'm teaching you how to play some guitar, right? Absolutely. As soon as all this COVID stuff, which sounds like it's starting to die down, um, starting to trend in the right direction, at least. Uh, yeah. now. So as soon as we, our office is up and running, I mean, like I said, I got family out there anyways. I'm always down to come out there, so. Bro, you got a spot to sleep in my house. Don't worry about it. Nice, nice pleather couch. There it is, buddy. <laughs> All right, Dave, talk to you. All right, thanks, guys. All right, there he is, White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports. Very excited for the Barstool office to open here in Philly. We're going to go right into the happy fits. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, your guests for today's episode of the Kill Your Internet podcast are Luke Ross and Calvin from the Happy Fits. Boys, I'm so happy we finally got to talk. Yes. Yeah, right. thanks for having us. Dude, get out of here. I'm, re I'm really excited about this. First off, I found out about you guys um, because you were doing shows with some friends of ours, fellow Jersey guys, uh, Deal Casino. So that was where I, I first got introduced to you guys. So um, first off, I want to bring up New Jersey is a funny thing because you either love it or you hate it. Like if you're from there, you love being from New Jersey or you hate being from New Jersey. Where do you fall in that, in that kind of like. So we, we come from West Jersey, which is like basically like Pennsylvania rural area. Where oh, it's no shit. And it's like, I grew up here my entire life. Basically you guys too, right? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, when most people think of New Jersey, it's like Newark or the Jersey shore. So I yeah. wouldn't say we had a traditional New Jersey upbringing. Um, yeah. I remember talking to one, one of my friends and he grew up in Elizabeth. And he was like, yeah, I've been, like, mugged three times in my life. <laughs> I've happened here. So, yeah, we def definitely grew up in, like, a, it's a very, very nice part. Dude, I'm, fr I'm from Northeast Philly, so South Jersey is basically connected to Northeast Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your, what's your short spot? Where do you guys go? Uh, Asbury, right? Well, well or now, Belmar. Yeah. Definitely Belmar. We go to Asbury. I like Belmar. We also play a lot of shows down there, so we know the area really well. But, um, like... We do um, – the tradition for our high school uh, is that, like, after graduation, you all go down to, to the Jersey Shore and then, like, rent a motel for the weekend. So, Like I said, I'm from Northeast Philly, so my, like, ancestral, like um, – I don't know, like, vacation spot is Wildwood. So North Wildwood is just taken over by North – it's a shameful thing because I know it's a dirty place, but I love it. Yeah. If you look behind me here, there's a painting, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's from Asbury Park. That's from the Saint a couple years ago. There was a dude that actually painted us while we were playing at the Saint, and I oh, yes. it from him, and I kept it forever. So yeah, the that was yeah, our first like Jersey Shore. So many memories of that. Venue. April 2017. I think there we played club Cat Funk, and there were like six people there. Yeah. Two of them were Ross's really parents. Young. We <laughs> played a couple different spots in Asbury, but the Saint like is the spot. That's like the grimy Jersey Shore spot where you got to cut your teeth a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and we found love for House Independence too. That's so nice. Oh, great venue. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So real quick, we got we got a new record coming out tomorrow. It's called What Could Be Better. Uh, I told you guys before the podcast, uh, no instructions honestly has been in my head for like a month now. As soon as it came out, it's just been on loop for me. You know, what's the process been like releasing a record during quarantine? Because we did the same thing. We released one earlier this month and like, did you guys work on it during quarantine or has this all been done and building for a while? We actually started the process, you know, we were in the studio for six weeks and it was like the last two weeks is when, you know, the pandemic started hitting and Crazy. we ended up going on tour during the beginning of it. We were all the way in Arizona. We we're like wow. four weeks into the tour and then they're like, yeah, everything's closing down, tours canceled. We had to like drive mm -hmm. straight back. So it's definitely been really interesting. And like, I think probably you guys too. We've just been trying to play it like month by month and just figure out. What it's all you can do, honestly. Mm -hmm. Do you guys live together? No. no. Oh, is, was, we, we live very close to each other because we, we all went to high school together and grew up oh, in cool. the neighborhood. So uh, Calvin is like 20 minutes from my house and then Luke's like 10, like 12 minutes from my house. And we, we do everything at my house. But the, when you guys were like finishing stuff up, right, were you doing a lot of communication through Zoom and Skype or were you guys able to get in the same house and actually get together? We were always together because during the beginning of the pandemic, like we were on tour together anyway. So right. I went to a buddy's house after tour because I wanted to quarantine for my family because we right. were 
you know, it started and we're like, oh man, we just hugged like a thousand, a thousand people. people. <laughs> so. We were in uh, Washington, D.C. the night before the lockdown started. We were actually with Deal Casino. Uh, it was us, Deal Casino, and the Orphan, the Poet. And uh, I remember we came back and our drummer, Jimmy, got really sick when he got home. But I was in, we were in the car together for like four hours on the way home. And I was just texting him like, dude, if you give me coronavirus, I swear to God, I'll kill you. <laughs> so bummed. Yeah. yeah. Well, so one question I do have is, so from what I can tell you, are you guys independent right now? Like, are you yeah. guys? Yeah, DIY. Same here, brother. And yeah. to me, like, I kind of take it as like right now, I'm actually really enjoying it. Because if you watch a lot of these bands, like I, I'm, the Killers just put out an amazing record, but they had to delay it for so long because of the major label system. Like, is this an, like a choice or are you guys just kind of like building it yourselves and seeing what happens? Um, it's, it's, it's a mixture of, of both. Yeah. At first we weren't like, like saying like, oh, we're going to be independent forever. But honestly, we, we never got any yeah, record label offers any in the offers beginning. At all. So we were like, well, let's just keep doing it ourselves. And now over the years we've built up a really good team that are like believe in us and work behind us. And we're at the spot where we really don't need to sign with the label currently. Isn't that beautiful? Expand uh, a lot more. It's but a dream. Yeah, yeah. It's really nice. It's really nice being able to control everything. You know? And I feel like that right there is like what a lot of, cause I know for us, like we have an amazing team, like that we have managers and everybody involved and all this shit. But to me, like I really enjoy the process, like the prospect of like kind of not fighting against the system, but like seeing it, we can do it a different way. And I feel like you guys yeah. are kind of in the same vein. No, it's okay. We love sticking it to the man. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Let's go. I didn't know if this was going to be a situation where it was like, you guys are like, we have a fucking offer on the table, dude. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, we, we've just been so lucky at every turn, you know, like from our first release, like we got, we landed the Fresh Finds playlist, you know, our tour, current tour manager, Tyler. That's amazing. Got a friend that just happened to be an intern. I'm like that. Me, me and Ross were in our freshman year of high school and like high school, freshman year of college. And <laughs> Like that started to blow up and we were like, oh damn, this is really awesome. And then like we started seeing the royalty payments and we were like, oh damn. This, this is, is really awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then I think like we, Tyler also got us in contact with our current manager who has produced our last two albums, Ayad. Wow. In Passion Pit. So he has like a lot of knowledge on music. So that's- There you go. We right. owe a lot to him. Like we just found the right guy. He was willing to cut his deals and he used his amazing studio like best equipment we could possibly use um so like we got definitely been lucky there and then just like our management team our booking agent like it's there they, it's all a group effort you know so Dude, like, that's the coolest shit too because if you have the ownership but you also have a good team you're really getting the best of both worlds in that perspective like you have the infrastructure of a label but you don't have to give up any of your rights that's the exactly, best yeah that's we, where we are too what also really helped is that uh, our current manager, Ed, he used to run his own record label and he had a couple of bands signed, so he knows how it all works. And yeah. Giving us that knowledge, but without having to give up 50 to 70 percent of yeah, my money. Exactly. Yeah. Especially the new album, we were lucky enough to get a really cool distribution team and, you know, The Orchard has been helping us out huge and then The Syndicate is a radio company and PR company we're working with, so. Yeah, so we've, we've, worked, with the, we've worked with The Syndicate before. We work with Jerry Rubino, who does radio. Jerry! Over. Jerry our, uh, Dude! I was just talking to Jerry today about coming on the podcast. So, like, I'm going to have to bring this up. Yeah, we have a call tomorrow. Okay, but uh, so great said, guy, man. Follow him on, on Instagram. Yeah. I love it. He just posts, like, all these oh, magazines and shit. Encyclopedia <laughs> of people's birthdays. and like <laughs> Dude, right? That or, about, or that or, like, about how much the Astros suck for cheating. Like, Goddamn right. <laughs> See, this is... <laughs> I told you, I told you right off the bat, this was going to start off as like business. And then by like five minutes in, we were just going to be broing out. So the one thing like we always do when we have these podcasts, and we have bands on is I kind of like to give like a rundown of my impression. And there's like two words that stick out for me for you guys. You're very unique and you're very positive, which is hard to find these days because a lot of people trying to, to kind of cultivate this kind of down persona. But like you guys are like us in the perspective of like, we're just having fun doing this shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and the one thing like that I have written down that I really love one, it's the unique instrumentation because not many people are playing fucking electric cello. So shout out. But um, you also have this ability. You've created like a really strong online fan base, but you've also done a great job of playing shows. Usually a lot of people do one or the other. They're really strong online or they're not as strong out on the road. You guys are fucking road warriors. So I just wanted to say from my perspective, like, yeah, thank you. Shout <laughs> out. Um, I mean, we definitely when we decided to drop out of school uh so like 
it's just the end of our freshman year of college. Like we were so naive about everything. And like, we were like, we want to be a band. Let's just do what bands do. And we were like, let's book a tour. We didn't have a booking agent. So we just emailed a bunch of people, a bunch of local bands. And that's how we Shout started building Shout out to Calvin and Tyler. Just yeah, Tyler, our tour manager. He booked us our first West Coast tour. And from there, like I learned a lot. And I'm a big spreadsheet guy. So I <laughs> oh, see, lucky, because I'm not a spreadsheet guy whatsoever. I'm just flying <laughs> by the fucking seat of my pants, dude. I, oh, man, <laughs> love spreadsheets. So yeah, we, <laughs> man, I think we booked around like, uh, like 100, 150 shows within our first two years just doing diy stuff not every single one was yeah. like a banner. i'd say a majority of them were less than like 20 people coming but it definitely gave us the experience of playing live yeah. and especially when you're working with a cello and not a lot of sound guys know how to use a cello like that gave us the opportunity to give a lot of shitty performances sorry excuse my friend no 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 no, no. listen a lot of subpar performances and then learn from that <laughs> you can curse to- bro this is a cursing <laughs> podcast <laughs> but yeah we just you know we've been learning and then uh around all of 2018 is when our manager got some contact with Jake from Sound Talent Group. He's been booking us tours since 2019 onwards. Um, but yeah, it's just like there's so much information you can just Google how to do nowadays. Oh, yeah. that, like, we had luckily, you know, our parents' support and you know financial support for the beginning, and like that's definitely what helped us and made us able to be able to tour. Like if we were not in the same privileged position we are, we definitely would not have been able to do that. See, we were we were in the situation where like, because you guys dropped out, right? Yeah. So we, me and Ken, our bass player, met at Westchester University. So we we fin- we went all the way through. Like we went the four years. We graduated. I think it was 2015. And then as soon as that was over, we I started going to Nashville to get in down there and do all my work down there. And uh, I don't know, man. I really enjoyed the process of like sending a thousand emails and getting like five back and then going and playing <laughs> shitty shows and coming home. But we like had to grind out to where we were working like 10 hours a day at restaurants and then driving overnight to go play shows. Like, I love that shit. Major <laughs> respect to you. I had a diner job 2018. It was like a 24 seven diner job. And I Ooh. Worked for three months. Maybe. I hated it. That's the I most New Jersey shit I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was so bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> has the largest burger in New Jersey. Yes, you can order. I think it's you order a twenty-five pound burger, and if you can finish it with ten or twelve people, you can get it for free. But if not, you have to pay. Can it. you write the address down? Because I'm about to go there tomorrow. Yeah, uh, <laughs> my, my best memory of that was like uh, this was 2017. So this was right as our first record was coming out. Uh, I worked a double at the bar in Center City, Philadelphia. And then drove 15 hours overnight to play on the TV to play on TV in Nashville on Fox, and I, I didn't sleep for like 36 straight hours, and I was just like hallucinating, just being like, "But you know what? That's the shit you got to do." People don't know that enough that it's like such a grind. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. such a grind, especially for like small bands and people from like Europe are like, "Hey, what are you gonna come play in Europe?" And it's like that is so expensive. <laughs> yeah, like when we can do you know the logistics? Just get over there in the first place. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say like, yeah, no, I'm gonna drop all the shit I'm doing here and go to Hamburg and just try and uh, check my way through there. But do you guys enjoy? Because you seem like you enjoy the social media side. Like, do you, you guys? I, what was it earlier? I saw you guys were fucking floating heads. You had no bodies. Yeah. <laughs> we just kind of we were still trying to find our like our, our voice and like like there's so much stuff that like i said you could just google how to do and um i think the fact that like when you first try to do something like the floating head thing like it's yeah. always gonna come off pretty shoddy in quality but i think that kind of adds a charm to it and it, it shows that, that we're still diy so. what i love about your guys social media content though is a lot of it like you guys are playing songs in a pool like on floats oh, yeah. <laughs> like i love the fact that like you're not afraid to just go straight from your iphone you don't need somebody with like a like a sony red camera like shoot yeah. you in 4k like we have the opportunity to get shit out like that you guys seem to really be taking advantage of that I yeah mean, definitely because of quarantine it try it made us more creative in that sense because i think when we could play live shows it was like social media was probably the last thing we cared about but now yeah. it's all you kind of have to so, I mean, we were, that's the only way we're able to get our shit out there right now. We can't go play shows unless you're lucky enough to get a drive-in spot. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, it's definitely like I love to watch bands that aren't afraid to just be themselves on social media, and it's not all black and white pictures where everybody's staring in opposite directions on a hill. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. exactly. <laughs> He's got the face. Yeah, I guess like we never perceived ourselves as like cool people because we're in a band. We always yeah. just really enjoyed it, and we enjoyed. Like, yeah, like, 
uh, engaging with people and talking yeah. to them, especially if they think what you're doing is dope. You know, it's like yeah, it's like yeah, we're super lucky. With they they like too. us because they they think what we're doing is cool, and we're like we're not gonna just like act like we don't care and like. That's my man. That's the fucking right answer. Like we had a we had like an epiphany like two years ago to where we had been spending a lot of time in Nashville and a ton of time out on the road, and we just snapped out of it one day and we're like, dude. We're six assholes from Philadelphia. Can we just be that? Like, let's yeah. just be that. Like, and uh, ever since then, every good thing that's happened to us, all festivals, tours, radio, all that shit has happened because we became ourselves. And it's like, I feel so lucky. Like, I'm a dude, like, if you look over to the side over here, I got my wedding pictures on the wall. I'm not going to act like like I'm not some, like, I'm a homebody. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just a fucking Philly. Like, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> But how are you how are you guys kind of handling like do you feel like your writing has changed over quarantine or do you guys feel like you're still kind of in the same spot you were? Definitely like I think with the the recent Black Lives Matter movement, that definitely put a lot of stuff in perspective for me because a lot I learned so much and you know, I'm still trying to educate myself. But I I don't know, it's hard to continue writing songs about like a love life that I had in you know sophomore year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem like it's worth it anymore. And there's bigger things that we can talk about, um, and you know, kind of use our platform um, for the better. So I've been trying to more lately, you know, find mans that talk about more social issues, like you know, yeah, idols. Talking we, like, we had a conversation on last week's episode um, with Katie Feeney, who who is a singer from Philadelphia, and. She was saying that she's been writing a lot more from that perspective. And we've been active on social media and talk. We had a lot of people on the podcast too. We've had long discussions about everything going on in America right now, Black Lives Matter movement and 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 even the election coming up. But it's more of like I asked her because I've I've I found it hard to put everything going on into words. I've I've, I've yeah. been able to, I've been able to write that way. Maybe that's just me as a songwriter, but we've been active in other ways. Have you been able to kind of incorporate your feelings on that through song? Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to. It's just like, you know, sometimes I'll think of like a good lyric and I'll be like, oh, that's applicable. But then it's also like, it's you can only say so much in one song that you might be leaving some information out and that, you know, some people might find that you know, like offensive. Absolutely. And I mean, we, we all have to, we have to be cognizant of everybody else's feelings as well. And the one thing I really will give you guys credit for, even when I went on your website to do a little bit of research before you have links at the bottom of your website and we've mm-hmm. done a lot of, especially Will, our saxophone player, is very involved in, in um, promoting bailout funds and things like that. More than anything, I think we've all taken time. We had a conversation with our friend DJ Move, who was on um, for a conversation about this earlier in quarantine. And he said, basically, like, I asked him, like, what do you think the difference is this time? Like, why is this time actually the point getting across? And he said, we all, there was no distractions. We all had to kind of look ourselves in the mirror and look at what was going on and face it. And uh, I, I really think we've all learned a lot in this perspective and you're seeing a lot more action and not as much, not as many words. You know what I mean? I like that. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. I mean, it's like, you think about like all the great bands that, you know, are famous for their like writings on like, you know, peace and like anti-war, like, you know, mm-hmm. Beatles, Jimi Hendrix and all that. And it's like, I, I always like viewed them as like, just like really great artists that like solved these social issues and then yeah. when the matter thing happened i realized how much of a bubble i've been living in like yeah, none of that has actually been too. solved it's still actually going on and it's, it's an issue that ever it's gonna it can never be you know it can't be solved unless we actively all try and get our and get our hands dirty you know what i mean so yeah. and what you guys are doing is great and i mean it, it's been amazing to kind of see so many like nba players and and bands and artists rappers everybody is kind of rallying together and but obviously there's still so much to be done and uh i but i will give you guys credit you guys have done an amazing job with that i've been interested to find out like different songwriters perspectives on whether or not they can actually go there in their writing and uh and to hear that you guys can't like i don't i don't know like i feel like most of my writing in quarantine has been about isolation and i mean not not having the i mean our newest single something's going on i wrote about vanderpump rules because my wife watches bravo all the time and i had no outside like perspective on anything other than tv and so i just put myself in that world so shouts out to bravo yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so before we let you guys go because i know you're probably doing a million interviews today uh i have five questions we started out doing this on the podcast as 10 questions i realized that's too fucking many so we dumbed it down to five um so they're all for you guys to answer as a group. And some of them are going to be kind of like, who is this in the band? And other ones are just kind of like memories. So the first one is, what is your best show memory? 
And what is your worst show memory? All right. Okay. Salt Lake City. Was the best one? Oh, right. Yeah, it was the first. One. It was the first one. Well, wait, probably the was it the Seattle the X Porno House was the worst one. The worst All right, one? yeah, that yes. one was definitely one of the worst. So All we right, were in Seattle, <laughs> Portland, or, wait, Portland, or, right? No, we were in Seattle. It was in Seattle with the clown strippers. Yeah, because then oh, then, I was thinking ooh. of the the X Porno House. That's what that was. Like, it was Paris Theater. No, Paris Theater was the one where we got our ears blown out. You're thinking of uh, you're thinking. I love of, all this. These are all bad stories. Yeah, that was, um, yeah. So we we drove overnight from San Francisco, or no, San Diego, San Diego mm-hmm. to Seattle on our first tour ever. It was a twelve-hour drive. Um, we got there like a couple hours before we had to load in and play. Our set time was like one a.m. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> So out of 21 and up venue. Right? We, had a, the, like, we weren't even allowed. We had to like tell them like we're playing tonight. Please let us. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Please. Please. The rendezvous. There's actually a video on YouTube of us playing uh, too late at the rendezvous. And I'm still in my short shorts. So, <laughs> yeah. So so we uh, we get there. They don't even let us in the venue. And then we're like, well, we're playing tonight. And they're like, okay, you can be in this venue if you're sitting at this table. So we have to sit outside this table. And my parents... Um, so our neighbors are their best friends, and they have a house in Washington. Nice. So my parents flew out because they're really excited about us touring, and <laughs> so they they flew out to to and then they came to Seattle to see us play in Seattle. <laughs> and we arrived and we looked like garbage, and we were like delusional. Half a lot. <laughs> That's touring, baby. They're like, all right, <laughs> let's let's unlock the doors. You guys can go load in. And keep in mind, we were the late show because the early show was already booked, and. When we're walking in there, all we see is a bunch of clowns that are half naked, <laughs> smoking weed and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Where are it's we? like we're loading in, and there's like four, like six foot tall guys in like fishnet stockings with like high heels, and they're just smoking cigarettes, like looking at us like this. I'm like, anything, <laughs> nothing, absolutely nothing. Bro, I got to admit, that's probably the worst story I've gotten on this oh, podcast yeah. so far. Yeah, we played two. So it was my great. parents, our neighbors. Two of their friends that were happened to be out in Seattle, and then, and then two fans, two fans, and I'm then, and then <laughs> but the other thing was that the band that played before us, there was one band that was oh a mother God. or a, a, a husband and wife that were really nice, really good people. Second band, this guy was wearing a cloak the whole time backstage, and he kept he could he fart would come up, man. he would come up and yeah. he'd be like, "Did I fart in your drink yet?" And I, <laughs> I, uh, or he's like, "Did I fart on you?" And then he goes, "I just said I said yes because I didn't hear what he said," and I went. Yeah, and then Ross walks in. And he goes, "Did I fart on you?" And then Ross goes, "No." I just lifts up his leg and farts on him. And then he kept coming back into the green room, and he goes, "Did anyone fart in my ginger ale?" And he came up to us and be like, "Seriously, did you fart in my ginger ale?" Yeah, we're like, we were like, "Where are we? What is yeah. this?" Yo, that is the night. You'll remember that shit. Like, like uh, you'll be asleep and just wake up in a cold sweat thinking about that. That yeah. reminds me of this one time we were playing in, in Nashville at this place called Twelfth and Porter. We have we have a big following in Nashville. Like that's our second home, and. uh but like we weren't the headliners this night. It was this this other band. I'm not gonna name them because I don't know if they're still doing it. But um, the the sound guy was so nice, and he kept being like, "Guys, like I really like your sound. I want you to use these special German mics that I had flown in. Like you guys will be the first ones to use them." And like I felt bad. I was like, "Nah, dude, I'll, I'll I don't want to do that. Like I don't want to ruin your mic." And he was like, "Nah, dude, you guys are cool." And the band after us went on, and this dude was shit face drunk, and he took the mic off and started spinning it around. And uh, then he shoved it in his mouth and started ah! screaming. And I'm looking at the sound guy, and the sound guy is just staring at the stage like, what the fuck? <laughs> and like, I, w- I went over to him, and I, like, I elbowed him. I'm like, dude, I'm so fucking sorry. The dude like, dropped the mic on stage, spilled whiskey all over it. Like, it was the weirdest fucking night of my life. And so like, thinking other than that, like, for us, like, we had a show in Birmingham, Alabama, where the headliner dropped out when we got there. And then, so we played to literally no one except for two old ladies who offered us drugs. And then we had to drive the next day for a radio thing to North Carolina. We did the radio thing and then realized there was no show that night. We just drove to North Carolina for like nine, like nine hours for no fucking reason. So we're like, I don't know what there's, I always like the bad stories more than the good ones, but do you have like one that sticks out for you as the good one? Yeah. So that same tour, our first tour in 2017, like, we had played Seattle, Portland, and LA, and like to like ten people at most, and like we were definitely feeling down in the dumps a little bit because we were like, man, we have like 
we have you know tens of thousands of Spotify followers, and we thought that that would translate. We're like, where does it go? Where are these? Yeah, yeah who are you people? <laughs> yeah, so we got to Salt Lake City on a Monday night at Kilby Court. Have you played Kilby Court? No, but I've always heard that Salt Lake City crowds turn the fuck up. Oh, dude, Mormons, Mormons are incredible. They're ready for shows, dude. That's what they do. We so we got to Kilby Court on a Monday night, and we were just all down in the dumps, and like we we're like, ugh. We'll just we'll do this, get it over with. We only got like two more shows left, and like I don't know, like thirty kids or something came out, and they were like screaming Sick. our words. And that was when we were like, "Oh my, we're like two thousand miles away from home." People it's know our lyrics. Always when you're ready to end the tour, that there's like one yeah. show that just like pumps you the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Ear ringing screams, and yeah. we were like, "Whoa!" This is awesome. <laughs> That's also where we met a band called the Solarists, who are from mm-hmm. um, Provo, and. Sweet. We ended we up them. like we've, we've They're like been our great best friends with them ever since that show. We've toured with them, um, done like small tours with them on the West Coast and stuff. Oh, uh, sweet. For, for me personally, I think, and I think the guys like also love it too, is we were lucky enough to sell out uh, last year two nights at House of Independence. Bang it. So it's like to, you know, be grinding all over the country and then like you are really trying in Jersey really hard and to finally like see it, you know, it's like oh, oh, yeah. gosh, a thousand people come out for us. This is like, unfathomable that first like hometown sellout and not like a small venue like your big venue like i remember we did the we did right before quarantine because we sold out a, a lot of shit in philadelphia but like we did uh the foundry at the film war yeah. like right before quarantine started which was fun too because like the downstairs venue has is like uh 2000 cap room and the upstairs is like a thousand and both were sold out but downstairs was a rapper named g herbo from uh, chicago and Lil uzi vert was in the green room too i don't smoke weed but i was so fucking fried just (laughs) (laughs) rappers smoke different weed dude i don't know um so let's go we got a couple more here uh who in the band spends the most time on their phone their phone who's the biggest social media guy who never puts their phone down um, I'd say, I mean, I definitely post the most on social media, but I'm not like glued to my phone. Um, but yeah, I did, I'd say that. You're definitely like the guy who's always like tinkering with stuff on like, you're on your phone, monitoring everything, or and like, computer, yeah, or doing making spreadsheets because we're making us have floating heads and all the, that. The goddamn spreadsheet master over here, dude. <laughs> all right, okay, hold wait, on. Wait, question. Would you, you, you said you had, you were sending out thousands of emails and everything. And, I don't know if you still are. Have, did you use mail merge ever? No, dude. I literally did this in the grimiest, most DIY way oh, ever. Okay. I, was, I was doing that. This is just a shout out. Any independent band trying to book their own stuff, look up mail merge. It changed my life. And of course, I found out how to use it the second that we got a booking agent. So it wasn't really applicable. Mail merge is like you just make a spreadsheet and it's like venue, 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 venue. And then like oh, mail merge. It's like one button and you could do like insert venue name, insert city, insert date. So you just have to write one template email and then you can just insert from your spreadsheet and it'll send out all those individual emails for you. For a dude in my twenties, I basically have an 80 year old's brain when it comes to working in spreadsheets (laughs) and like Excel and shit. I don't know. Um, All right. So we got two more here. You can try Uh, outsourcing it on Fiverr. That's also. (laughs) I'm lucky. I got Erica who is the other vocalist in the band who is the, is the stickler for like organization. So one of us does. (laughs) One does. Um, All right. So. Ooh, who is the band you'd like to tour with the most? Ooh, like fantasy band or fantasy like, band? Yeah. I would say Bombay Bicycle Club. That would be ooh, that would be a good tour too. Also, our friends, the Greeting Committee, actually got oh. with them, and I was like, yeah, oh, but you dude. see your friends doing better than you, and you're like, I'm so happy. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I know, dude. I do. <laughs> um, the Greeting Committee. They toured with uh, friends of ours from Canada, Arkells. And- yeah, we saw them at uh, okay. was it Bowery? No, it wasn't Bowery. It was uh, another ballroom. What was it called? Is it Grammar uh, Gramercy Theater? Yes. Was it- yeah, yeah, dude. Fucking Arkells. We played shows with Arkells. They are awesome dudes. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, huge in Canada. Canada. They do arenas. <laughs> Yo, that was legitimately a thing too. Like people were in Philly from Canada for the show, and Whoa. we were like. We were at the bar after just to get drinks before we went back to the green room. And these, like, Canadians came up. And they were like, do you know how big our Kells are in Canada? And I was like, I'm finding out quickly. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was Irving Plaza. Irving Plaza. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Irving Plaza. Yeah. They're, like, renovating that or something right now. I don't yeah. think it's 
Well, and no venues. What the fuck am I talking about? Um, <laughs> what bands are like currently heavily in rotation for you guys? Like, who have you been listening to a lot? Uh, definitely since the pandemic started, lots of idols and parquet courts. Like, dude, idols are just. Wait, are you saying idols? I D L E S. Yes. For- Yo, let's go! I didn't know anybody else fucking knew idols. So my brother, my brother is like a huge. He like grew up in Vermont, and he was like, he went to a very like crazy art school and he comes he like one of the times he came and saw us in boston and he goes you gotta listen to this band idols and we were like what and then he sat in the van with us and he started blasting we we're like yo these guys are crazy yo and there's so much shit like that come out of you like europe right now are yeah. you guys familiar with oh my god this band from from uh ireland who the fuck is this um Oh, the band was Fontaine's DC. Is the band from? Oh, Fontaine's DC. They're so cool. Oh my fucking god! Yo, shout out to Europe for all the rock and roll you're putting out right now. Also on rotation for me is Oliver Tree. Just released yeah. his full album. Yo, I can't get into how Oliver Tree. He drives me. The, the, he's like a living meme, and I'm just like. This dude is like, I feel like if a record label right now could design a human being to be a musician, it would be Oliver Tree. Like, I don't know what, like, and it's catchy. It's all catchy, but like, I can't get behind it for some reason. And I, I, I want to, I want to like the music, but I can't do it. I also understand the aspect of not being into him at the same time while I'm listening. You definitely have to respect his grind because he had another project that he started that didn't do so well. And then he was like, I'm going to reinvent myself. Oh, he did. And he did that. Yeah. When he was like, I don't know, 23, 24 or something. And like. Man, I'm only 22, so whenever I get down in the dumps, I'm like, if all goes wrong, I could just all retreat myself. And I'll be fine. Yeah, you're going to start vaping with a bowl cut and a couple <laughs> yeah. of hot Cheetos. Yeah. Uh, all right, so last question before I let you guys go. What's the ultimate goal for the rest of the year, and then how excited for you to get back on the road next year? Mm. Ultimate goal for the end of this year. Well, we originally thought we'd be touring by the end of the year, but that's not the point. Um, so I guess once this album's released, um, we're going to continue to promote it as much as we can. Do We do live streams every Thursday. Well, we nice. try some weeks we can't do it, but I think we're just going to keep that up. Keep I our think also just online. start writing again. Yeah. yeah. And a boy. There's no other really, besides being an online presence, you just got to keep writing right now. It's the time to do it. Yeah. So yeah. Definitely once we've we just been so focused on this album, making sure it's going to hit right. And mm-hmm. so now it's just like, once we get to that, it's like, all right, We'll do whatever we can do to help throw this album out there. Like I said, this is coming out right before the album comes out. So, uh, dude, Happy Fits, Luke, Ross, Calvin, this has been fucking spectacular. I can't wait to see you guys live when this is all over. Uh, Everybody, go spin the record. What could be better? It's out tomorrow. Guys? Thank you so much. much. All right, guys. I'll talk to you soon, all right? Thank you, sir.